Amen. Good morning, church. Trust we are all well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to minister to your people. We ask that your word will come forth in simplicity and clarity of speech, yet in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the gathering of the saints together as an assembly. We are careful to give you all praise for today and for the week you have for us ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. That was a very powerful worship. I was blessed. Amen. You know, you know that song really hits you when you are humming it unconsciously. Amen. <laughs> okay. John chapter 4, verse 34 to 35. John chapter 4, verse 34 to 35. We thank God for the month of September. As we all know, September on our church calendar is our friends and family month. Amen. And uh, starting from tomorrow to the 30th, we'll be praying for the next 21 days. We're going to be interceding every day for our friends and family. Uh, most especially that they will receive Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. And if any of them are down, uh, they've backslidden in their walk with God. We pray that at the end of this 21 days, there will be some revival in their Christian walk with God. Amen. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Amen. Based on today's reading, I'm preaching on the will of God. The will of God. Now, in this year of pursuing Christ, we have to critically pay attention to our desires. Our desires inform our pursuits. So if you see someone's pursuits of working 80 hours a week, that's twice the average. It should let you know what his desire is. His desire is money. Are you understanding me? So you can really look at someone's pursuits by gauging his desires because desire informs pursuits. You know, one of the things I personally hate is to build cliches. So for example, one of the things that notoriously can become a cliche are church themes. So for example, this year is the year of the pursuit of Christ. Truly, when we assess and when we do a thorough self-examination, we have to really ask ourselves, are we really pursuing Christ? Are we pursuing him? Truly. And we have to ask ourselves these questions. One, am I pursuing his person? When I'm talking about pursuing Christ, it has to involve the person of Christ. And the person of Christ focuses on having a relationship with Christ where we can truly say, Christ is our Lord and Master. Are we pursuing a relationship with Christ? Number two, are we pursuing his presence? In this year of the pursuits, 
are we pursuing his presence? And when I talk about his presence, I am talking about are we welcoming the Holy Spirit? And are we creating an atmosphere for him to thrive? Because the Holy Spirit is also sensitive to the atmosphere we create for him. The atmosphere we create for him can gladden him or grieve him. Amen. You know, there are, there are certain activities that we do that can quench the Holy Spirit or grieve him, as the Bible explicitly says. Number three, are we pursuing his precepts? Are we pursuing his precepts? Precepts talks to us about laws and statutes, and it's found in the Word of God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. How much of the Word of God has dwelt in you when you look at the months we've gone, we've gone by or gone through? Are we practicing what we hear or is being preached? Do you do well to act accordingly to the word when you read it in your quiet times? All this talks to us about a pursuit of his precepts. Amen. Number four, are we pursuing his program? Now, when I talk about program, I am looking at the agenda of God and the agenda of God is the kingdom of God. Amen. And, you know, for our midweek Bible study series, we have been tackling the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the program of God. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we are talking about culture. So God's agenda or his program for us is that we will conform to the image of his son, Jesus, and be like him. That is the agenda. That is the program of God. How much are we subscribing to the program of God? It speaks to us about pursuit. And number five, are we pursuing his purpose? Are we pursuing his purpose? And this is where um, today's message factors in. Excuse me, I'm sorry. It is in his purpose that the will of God is revealed. Amen. So don't let this year end without discovering his will for your life. You know, the will of God is, is a very common word or buzzword that we throw around. Sometimes we even like to use words like God willing, which is a very good thing and a healthy thing to practice because nobody knows tomorrow. So I always say God willing. But do we really know what the will of God is for our life? Now, before we answer that, what is the will of God? The will of God is God's predetermined purpose. Now, it's very important for you to understand the word predetermined. When I'm talking about predetermined, it means before the foundation of the world. Before God formed the world, he already knew what you should walk in. He had designed from the foundation of the earth. All right, so... It's his predetermined purpose for our life that should guide our walk. That is the will of God. So his predetermined purpose before the foundation of the world. So God did not um, create his will for your life when you were born. Let's say you were born in 1967. 
God didn't decide that your will should start from 1967 because you were born. Before the foundation of the world, God, who is omniscient, already had determined the will that you should walk in. So the will of God is not accidental. The will of God is not a happenstance. It's predetermined, pre-advanced. It's his counsel, his purpose for your life. That should be your guide. That should serve in how you walk with God and how you walk towards your purpose. Amen. Now, in the scripture that we just read, Jesus compared the will of God to food in our passage. And just as food is vital for our nourishment and is a basic necessity of life, so is the will of God. The will of God is basic necessity for our life. The will of God is vital. It is in accomplishing the will of God for your life that you experience nourishment. That's why Jesus could come to a place where he says that, I'm not even hungry. Because if you read the context of the scripture, the disciples had gone to buy food. And when they came back, Jesus felt full. And he hadn't eaten anything. And the disciples were wondering, what really happened when we left? Did he have food? But he said, no, it is in fulfilling the will of my father that has given me that nourishment. So sometimes when you see a Christian hungry and desirous of everything, they are desirous of everything. You know, and sometimes when you are desirous of everything, it shows that you are hungry and you are famished. And what it might simply mean is that you don't know the will of God for your life. Because when you come to an understanding of what is God's will for my life, you, you, you have a settled assurance, a settled quietness, a settled contentment. But for some of us, we are our eyes are always roving. We are always desirous of everything. We keep on looking, becoming very distracted and, and want to try. You know, we, we want to, you know, practice the concept of try and error and, and all that stuff. When you see someone who is just being desirous of everything, it, it's, it's very possible that that person might not know what is God's will for his life. And we have to come to a place where we know the will of God. When the disciples came, they came to meet a contented Jesus. He, he had received nourishment, not because he had eaten any food, but because it, 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 was, it, it was in fulfilling the will of his master that brought him that contentment. I want to tell you that if, if you are searching for contentment, if you are searching for satisfaction, it is in fulfilling the will of God for your life that will bring you that nourishment, that contentment, and that satisfaction that you crave for. Too many of us, we are trying to just do our plans, fulfill our ambitions, and we are still hungry. We are still desirous. We are still covetous. But I came to submit to you that if you want to come to a place where you want to live a life of contentment, a life of satisfaction, a life where you receive nourishment, it is in discovering the will of God for your life. And just like I said, 
food is a basic necessity of life. If you don't make it a regular habit of feeding, you could die. God sees fit to elongate our lives when we are in his will. What is the purpose of calling yourself a Christian? But you are not in the will of God. For some Christians, we are living dead. We are alive, but we are dead because we are outside the will of God. And the will of God, just like food, is basic necessity for our living. So I pray that today, may you discover God's will for your life. Now, the interesting thing is that when you read the two verses in 34 and 35 of John chapter 4, Jesus knew the will of his father. And he knew that the will of God for his life was to die for the sins of the world, that reconciliation could take place. Jesus knew that. So he lived a very contented life. He had a very settled understanding of his mission, of his values, of his goals, of his assignment, of his end task. He had a very settled understanding and assurance. That is why anything that leads to that will will bring nourishment. He knew that was the end goal. The end picture was that he was to die for the sins of the world. He was to be that sinless lamb that, that, that will be the sacrificial atonement for the sins of the world that reconciliation could take place. Jesus knew that. And he was very focused on that. That's why all his steps that he took led to that end goal. But if you read verse 35, Jesus gave the disciples the will of God for their lives. So verse 34, he talked about the will of God for his life. My food is to do the will of my father who has sent me. And the will of God is that I will die for the sins of the world, that salvation can come, and that on the basis of salvation, God will reconcile the world to himself. He knew that. He was focused on that. He was settled. But in verse 35, when you read it, Jesus also gave the disciples the will of God for their lives. And what was the will of God for their lives? that they should win souls for the Lord by witnessing. And that is why in verse 35, he used agrarian terms that, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? That don't postpone harvest. When it's time for harvest, don't, post, don't postpone it to another month. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Jesus is commissioning them by using agrarian terms, telling them that you have to win souls for the Lord by witnessing. That is the will of God for you. So in verses 34 and, verses 30, in verses 34 and 35, you see two wills of God. 
The will of God for Jesus is to die for the sins of the world, that we will experience salvation. And on the basis of salvation, reconciliation to God can occur. In verse 35, we also see another will of God for the disciples. And that the will of God for the disciples is that they are to witness because the fields are white and they are ready for harvest. They are to witness. They are to win souls by declaring Jesus is Lord. So from these two verses, you see two different wills of God, like I just said. So I want us to understand some things to note about the will of God. Number one, the will of God might not be the same for two people. I'm using the word might. That's my operative word. Might not be the same for two people. Because in certain instances, the will of God is blanket. That means it's for everybody. So we might be three people. We might share the same commonality because we have the same will of God. But it might not be the same for two people. It's not an absolute statement. So we have to know that. Because in John chapter 4, verse 34 to 35, we see two kinds of wills of God. One for Christ, one for the disciples. It might not be the same. That is why in life it is dangerous to copy people. Might not be the same. Please find out what God wants you to do. What is the will of God for your work? What is the will of God for your education? What is the will of God for your business? What is the will of God for your family? What is the will of God in terms of moving from house to house or moving from state to state? What is the will of God? Please find out. The fact that your best friend did that and it succeeded doesn't mean you are to follow suits. And let me tell you something. The fact that you succeeded in a plan is not an endorsement or an approval of God. That's what we are going to find out in the last days. So you can also use success in a way to judge it. Find out what is the will of God. It might not be the same for two people because God deals with everybody individually. The will of God for my life may be different from the will of God for yours. Please find out. The will of God might not be the same. We just saw in John chapter 4 verse 34 how God gave Jesus his will and he gave the disciples his will. And these people were in close proximity. But they all didn't carry the same. The disciples were not to die. For the sins of the world. That is Christ's job. And Jesus too was not to do the disciples job of witnessing to the world. He just came to prepare the way. So that once he ascended. The disciples will now in the power of the Holy Spirit become witnesses. And will fulfill that task and mandate. Please find out. The will of God might not be the same for two people.
God is very interested in the minutest details of your life. Find out what his will and purpose for your life is. Sometimes there are people who do jobs and they will just change the job. In three months, they've done 16 jobs. Find out the will of God for your life. You've never been able to finish your course. Because you thought, oh, I wanted to do business management. And then once you experience some difficulty, oh, let me change it. Now, I heard that there is this new wave of cybersecurity. Let me go and try. You went to the class. You did programming logic. It was so hard. You dropped the course. Now you are doing something else. Oh, now I, I, I saw on IG, black medical doctors, hashtag. It would be nice to wear a white coat. Okay, let me go and do medicine. You go and do medicine, and then you are afraid of blood. You can't stand blood. Now you've dropped the course. Oh, okay. I, I think I think I can speak good English. I, I like reading. Let me go and try law. You go and try law, you have a problem with history. You can't seem to even pass your history class. What is the will of God for your life? Please find out. Don't use your best friend's criteria for the will of God for your life. That could be a big mistake. The will of God might be different for two people. Note that. The second thing I want you to know, the will of God is fluid and dynamic. Why do I say that? Let me read these three scriptures. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 to 44. But Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. So let's talk about the will of God here. But when Jesus was talking about the will of God in John chapter 4, that is different from preaching. He is talking about preaching here. I have to preach because God wills that I preach. For this purpose, I am sent. When Jesus is also talking in John chapter 4 that my food is to do the will of my father and finish the work, he is not talking about preaching. He is talking about dying on the cross so that we can experience salvation. So the will of God is fluid and dynamic. Even in the same John chapter 4, just look at chapter 6. Excuse me. I'm trying to find this scripture.
Let me see, John chapter six. All right, let's go to First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. What I'm looking for in John, I can't find it. First Thessalonians. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So, you see, the will of God is fluid and dynamic. It's fluid and dynamic. So you have to find out what the will of God is for your life. It's fluid and dynamic. You, you, you get it? So in one area, we see Jesus saying that it is God's will that I preach the gospel. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus saying that my will is to do my father's work and finish it. He's talking about dying on the cross. So you see the fluidity and the dynamism of the will of God. Then look at the same scripture, the, the same First Thessalonians. Go with me to First Thessalonians again. First Thessalonians chapter 5, just one more chapter. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But I thought, Apostle Paul, you told us the will of God in chapter 4. Just in the previous chapter, chapter 4, Paul said, the will of God is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Possess your vessel with honor and in sanctification, not like the Gentiles do. But right in chapter 5, the next chapter, he's telling us that in everything we should give thanks to God why? Because for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you see the fluidity in the wills of God here. So one thing I want you to know is that the will of God is not static. It is fluid and dynamic. So that's one difficulty about the will of God. It's fluid and dynamic. It is not static. Number three, the will of God is different from our desires. Sometimes we confuse our desires with the will of God. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Anytime I read this scripture, I always remember my mother. Because I, my mother quoted this scripture to me, like, I don't know how many times. Like, from a child, she's quoted this scripture, to, and she still quotes this scripture to me till this day. There are many devices, many counsels, many plans in a man's heart. But only the purpose or the counsel of the Lord will stand. And the purpose there stands for will. It is only the will of the Lord that will stand. So the will of God is different from our desire. It's different from saying, oh, wow. I wish or I desire that I will become a manager of this store. But is that what God wants you to do? 
Maybe God wants you to become a manager of a different store and not the store in which you are. So you, you have to really know the difference between your desire and God's will, which is also his desire for your life. They are not the same. And number four, the will of God is not a mystery. The average Christian will say the will of God is a mystery. The will of God is not a mystery. Let me say that again. The will of God is not a mystery. Let me say that again for it to sink. The will of God is not a mystery. Let me say it again. The will of God is not a mystery. The will of God is not a mystery. It's not a mystery. One of the reasons why many people have fuzziness when it comes to the will of God is because they believe it is a mystery. When you read the Bible carefully, in the Old Testament, many things were mysteries to the saints. And the reason why it was mysterious to the saints was because the Holy Spirit was not present. But now that we have the Holy Spirit, many things that were mysteries in the Old Testament are not mysteries to us. We have only two mysteries. That's it. The mystery of God, will you restore all things to the kingdom of Israel before your time? In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, that is not for you to know, but for our father, for my father to know. It is not for you to know. And then number two, the dates, the day, the time that the day of the Lord shall occur. These are the only two mysteries. About there is no mystery. These are the only two mysteries. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus refused to give the disciples the timeline of the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. And we all don't know that. We can estimate or guesstimate as much as we can. But that is mysterious. And Jesus said, that is not appointed for you to know the times and seasons, but for my Father in heaven. That is a mystery to us. And number two, when Jesus will come back again to rapture the church. That is also a mystery. These are the only two mysteries. But apart from that, when it comes to anything concerning the manifold purpose, plans of God for your life, it is not mysterious. The will of God is not a mystery. So these four things to note again. The will of God might not be the same for two people. The will of God is fluid and dynamic. The will of God is different from our desires. The will of God is not a mystery. So now, question. How do we know the will of God? It happens by fellowship with God. It happens with fellowship with God. And when I'm talking about fellowship with God, I'm going to look at three implications. The first implication when I talk about fellowship with God means to pray. Take time to really pray about the will of God for your life. Luke chapter 22, verse 41 to 42. Jesus spent time in the dying hours of, 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 of his life. He spent time praying about the will of God. He said, Lord, if it's truly your will that I go and die on the cross, if it's truly your will. He, he was ascertaining from God. He said, Lord, let this cup pass over me, but not my will, but your will be done. Please spend time to pray about the will of God. 
spend time to pray about the will of God for my life. What is the will of God for this month? What is the will of God for the next three months of my life? What is the will of God for my house? What is the will of God for my job? What is the will of God for my career? Lord, I want to be involved in this business proposal. It sounds very good, but what is your will? Spend time praying. The reason why many Christians will conclude that the will of God is mysterious is because we don't want to painstakingly make time to pray. That's the problem. Make time to pray. Pray about the will of God. Find out Jesus Christ in the dying hours of his life, he found out, Lord, this is heavy. I'm going to die on the cross. It's a very heavy thing. Let this cup pass over me. Not my will, but your will be done. Please pray about the will of God. When we talk about fellowship with God, the first implication is prayer. You need to know what the will of God is for your life. You need to know when God wants you to move on to another will. Because like I said, the will of God is fluid and dynamic. It's not static. For some of you, the reason why you are stuck is because you may have been pursuing God's will for your life, which maybe he told you some months, some years ago, and it might be time to move on from something else to another thing. I'll give you a typical story. When I had the call to come to America, I really didn't want to come. I really, I didn't want to come. I, I didn't. I, I felt comfortable in England. Church has been established. We are good. And then a pastor, is, is not, that's our deputy general, Bishop Singhal, he passed us the, the, the Dallas branch. He, he told me that, the Lord said, I should tell you, your work here is done. I said, no. Like, you know, I, I didn't tell him in front of his face, but I was saying that, no, I rebuked that. And my work is not really done. My work is not done at all. But when I prayed about it, I sensed that the will of God is fluid and dynamic. I have to move on to pursue the next phase of my ministry. So that's what I'm trying to say. So, but some people are stuck because they are doing what God has told them and God may have sanctioned that off and he might expect you to move to pursue another agenda. And maybe that may be the reason why you are stuck. That may be the reason why you feel dissatisfied because you have to understand that the will of God is fluid and dynamic. Know when God wants you to move on to something else. It is likely that the will of God in your life is seasonal. Likely. That is why it's important to have fellowship with God. Amen. The next implication when I mean fellowshipping with God has to do with reading the Bible. The reason why we say that the will of God is not a mystery is because when you read the Bible, certain commands from God are termed the will of God. We just read a few of them. So God's word and his will are one. So if you don't know the Bible, you will be lost when it comes to the will of God for your life. We just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, we should abstain sexual immorality. That's the will of God. So when I'm a believer and when I read that, I know the will of God for my life. 
is to abstain from sexual immorality. So just read the Bible. Fellowship with God through reading the Bible. And you most of the commands there, especially in the epistles, systemed the will of God. So the will of God is not a mystery if you open the Bible. Amen. The next implication about fellowshipping with God has to do with communing with the Holy Spirit. Communing with the Holy Spirit. So the first implication of fellowshipping with God has to do with prayer. The second implication of fellowshipping with God has to do with reading the Bible. The third implication of fellowshipping with God has to do with communing with the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit that will bring the scriptures to life. For example, you can read the scripture. The scripture will tell you who you should marry. Marry a diligent man. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But the, Holy, but the Bible doesn't tell you Benedict or Theophilus is the guy to marry. So now maybe you see someone who fits the criteria of what the Bible commands you to marry. But maybe there are two or three people. They are all believers. They are all diligent. They are all not unbelievers. But you can only have one as your husband. Who is the person to choose? Is it Theophilus? Is it Benedict? Is it Timothy? This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. It is in fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit that now the scriptures that you have read, he brings life to that scriptures and he's able to specifically tell you out of the three, this is your husband. This is why you need the Holy Spirit. The, Holy, the, the Bible from, co commands us to be diligent. It commands us to work hard. It commands us that when, when we are diligent and when we work hard, riches, prosperity, promotion shall never depart from our house. But the Bible doesn't tell you whether you should work for Walgreens, whether you should work for Amazon, or whether you should work for Right Aid. The, the Bible doesn't tell you that. Just show me the scripture. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8, thou shalt work at right aid. It doesn't say any of that. But it is when you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will now bring the scriptures to life. He will bring the scriptures to life. And then you will be able to know, oh, okay, because I can't work at three places at the same time. So I can only work at one. So the Holy Spirit will be able to tell you out of these three, this is what is more suitable for you. So the Holy Spirit, his job is to bring the scriptures that we have read to life. Everything the Holy Spirit says, it lines up accurately with the word of God. That's why you need to know the word of God. If you really want to hear accurately from the Holy Spirit, any voice, any impression, any sensation, always check with the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, it is not the Holy Spirit speaking. I see people saying, the Holy Spirit say I should divorce my wife. Well, what, what does the Bible say? I hate divorce. It's in the Bible. So that's not the Holy Spirit. That might probably be you had too much pizza and you are hearing too many voices. Discard that voice. Anything voice, any impression, anything that you hear, 
it always has to line up with the Bible. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it is not the Holy Spirit. All right? So I want to end on this note that anyone hearing this message today, please find time, make every diligent effort to fellowship with God, to know the will of God for your life. Let's pray. Father, I've delivered your word. May we never be lost when it comes to knowing the will of God for our lives. May we be in the know. May we have precise, accurate knowledge of what your will is for our life. May we know what the will of God is for this church. May we know what the will of God is personally for this month. May we know what the will of God is for our lives in November and December. May we know what is the will of God for our lives next year. May we know what the will of God is for our lives concerning our job, concerning our pursuits, concerning our dreams. May we know what is the will of God. And Father, as we fellowship with you, may we conclude that the will of God indeed is not a mystery. That you make known your promises and, and your, your, your aspirations and desires to pour out and not to your hearts.